Okay, today we have the perfect guest. He's a San Diego realtor who's been in it for going on 20 years or so. And he's been through it all, right? He's seen the boom, he's seen the bust. And we just want to get some great perspective from him into, you know, some of his tips for realtors, consumers, and how to go about a potential recession and what makes a realtor a great realtor and what makes uh, a luxury agent. Three balls, two strikes, pressure is on. This is where we discuss real estate, property improvement, and business. Together, we'll strategize on how to win. Welcome to the Full Count. So if you could just kind of share a little bit about, you know, your experience would be great. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thanks for having me here. Um, as you mentioned, I've been in the industry for about 20 years. Right. Um, I do feel like I've seen quite a bit. I don't know if I've seen it all. <laughs> I'm sure there's more to come. Right, right. You know, given, you know, today's climate, there's a lot that I'm still learning today. Uh, but, you know, I, I've certainly seen highs and lows and lefts and rights. And um, it's all been an education, right. you know, to put it in a nutshell. Um, an education that certainly has, um, is helping me, you know, navigate what's going on today. Yeah. You know, so it's, um, it's all good. What got you into wanting to be a realtor, though? Like, of all things in the world, you could have done something else. Yeah. So it, it, I fell into it. Um, when I was a, a senior in high school, my, my godfather, who was somebody that I looked up to a lot, um, you know, used to work for Prudential California Realty, which was a, a, an office that was located right across the street from my high school. Okay. And so, um, you know, I was a kid and I needed to make money for prom and, <laughs> you know, and, and for the little beat up Nissan 240SX I used to drive, yes. you know? Um, and so he, uh, he offered to take me in, put me to work, and he had me do a lot of the uh, uh, the grunt work of you know what it is being a real estate, which means you know a lot of a lot of cold calling, a lot of door knocking, um, a lot of the stuff that most agents don't like to do. Um, For sure, but the things that that he he made me do um, when I was about seventeen years old, and so um, it kind of fell you know on my lap. Um, I think what what encouraged me to to keep doing it was just having um my godfather sort of as this this shining light this example of what's possible and he was a great looking guy great house that always helps. All, all the, all the yeah. ladies love him he had like five cars and a pool table and i wanted to be like this guy yeah. and so i figured if i do the things that he's doing that maybe one day i'll grow up and be just like him. be just like him. yeah so when you started out when you were 17 what yeah. walk us through that how you from then to you actually becoming like a licensed realtor yeah so when I, you know working as an assistant i did that for i did it part-time but i also did mm -hmm. it uh, you know for for a couple of years kind of like off and on it was never really just consistent like you know monday through friday or you know seven days a week it was it wasn't ever anything like that it was really more like when he needed me mm -hmm. uh and and at the time, um, I was also working um, part time at a nonprofit, which was um, um, you know sort of this uh, community program for at risk youth. Oh, cool. um, you know, awesome. it, 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 yeah. it's um, it's certainly something that is fulfilling. However, it doesn't pay the bills. I don't know if you're familiar with you know th those sort of that industry um, or those sort of jobs, but they don't really pay. Right. But I mean, people yeah, don't. Yeah they do it because they're making a difference um and and so 
it was great, you know, and, and I made incredible relationships and friendships and, you know, I, I contributed to my community, but, you know, I wanted a nicer car. I didn't want to drive this Nissan for the rest of my yeah. life. Love in, in life. That makes sense. Exactly. I mean, and I so, so at the time, um, um, who would later on become my brother-in-law, he was working for a mortgage company, Syntex Home Equity. And, you know, he saw me not only working at this nonprofit, but I was working at a coffee shop and I was also nice. doing mm. stuff with, with the real estate. Yeah. And so he's like, you need to stop doing all these three things and just do this one thing. Um, you know, he thought uh, based on the, the, the little experience that I have in the industry and also just my personality, he thought I could be a good salesperson. Right. So I got uh, invited to an interview uh for this mortgage company and i got hired and that was at 21 years old so from 21 to about 24 25 uh i worked in the industry in the mortgage industry um it's always good to get a different perspective from real estate and then know know a little bit about mortgage because a lot of agents sometimes don't know much about mortgage. yeah that interplace to you know everything from having the right balance sheet credit scores loan to value ratios so i think he you said your brother-in-law right I yeah think he set you up for success yeah. in some ways in terms of teaching mm -hmm. about the mortgages a little bit yeah definitely yeah. what year was what years was were you this uh is so if the market crashed in 08 this right. was probably like 2005 2006 right before okay right before <laughs> yeah and it's um uh you know they all knew what they were doing they like mm. you know Insight when you're looking back and you think of like countrywide, Syntex right. Home Equity, Nina, uh, right. yeah, you know, uh, these, these, these programs, you know, the people at the very top who were the smartest people in the room, they all knew what they were doing. Yeah. So, and sadly, um, you know, and they thought it was going to continue. And if it would have continued, they probably would have got away with it. But certainly, mm -hmm. we all know what, what happened. Um, you know, but, but, you know, back to what, what you mentioned that that knowledge and that experience in the mortgage industry certainly has given me um you know added credibility mm -hmm. when when you know having a consultation with the buyer right. um, you know or even you know talking with the seller about you know uh you know consumer affordability you know what that looks yeah. like now which is a conversation we're having today because um, you know, because of the rate hike, you know, affordability has gone down, That's you know, true. and so I think in markets like today and markets like back then, when you can speak intelligently to affordability and the, the effects that it has on, um, you know, prices, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. rates do rule asset prices for sure. 100%, yeah. you know, but when you can speak about, uh, speak about it intelligently, you know, you give sellers insight, but you also give them understanding as as to what they can expect, right? Right, because many times they see you know Joe Schmo across the street sold their house for you know two million bucks, but now we're three months in into a rate hike increase, and now you know that person that could afford two million can now afford a million and a half. Mm -hmm. right? And so when you have that sort of knowledge. Uh, in the mortgage industry, you're able to have intelligent conversations with sellers and buyers. I can totally agree with that. Um, I find so many agents day to day, I'm sure you do too, maybe so the younger ones or the ones that are into the whole fluff, right? The right. show, um, they can barely understand what 10 year yields do, mortgage backed securities do. Right. So when you have that conversation that's intelligent with the 
with the clients. Do you normally find that among like those that have bought before or, or what, what type of client do you normally see that? Yeah, I think that, you know, I've had clients who, uh, I go back many years and, and, you know, perhaps are on their second or third purchase, mm -hmm. you know, or sale. Um, then you have a lot of clients that bought within the last two years, yeah. you know, that, um, didn't know what they were doing because they weren't educated on the process, you know, or really on the, the investment, Sure, you know, because, mm -hmm. you know, first time home buyers and I know I can get in at three and a half percent, you know, FHA and now I'm a homeowner. Now what, you know, um, and so was the last question I thought was the question? Well, no, I mean, the type of person that, that the type of uh, client that can, that, that essentially will bet you a little bit further right. and ask you the right questions as opposed to maybe like the first time home buyer. Right. I, I feel like in the environment where we're in now because of social media, right. there's a lot of people that can kind of get away with not being educated. Right. So one of my next questions was like, um, what makes a good agent? And I feel like we're kind of answering that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think what makes a good agent is somebody that, um, understands what's important to the client first and foremost, mm -hmm. um, you know, to, you know, I, I've been in on the selling end of a deal where, uh, money's important, you know, as it is for many people, I want to get the most amount of money for my property. Um, you know, but rarely, but it has happened. I've dealt with clients that, you know, wanted to feel good about the sale. They wanted to go to mm -hmm. a family, you know, they, they lived in it for 25 years and their children mm -hmm. grew up in it and their grandchildren grew up in it, you know, and, and they're walking away with, you know, already enough money and they're, you know, writing off into the sunset of retirement right. and they just want the house to go to a good a good uh, family or, or to a good person. And so really understanding just what's important to the client and then being able to execute on what that is, I think that's what makes a good mm -hmm. so, Sounds like um, listening A hundred percent. Yeah. I think that many of us don't listen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, I think that's what makes a good salesperson too. Totally. Listening. I think many are, you know, rightfully, you know, commission driven. I think. Mm -hmm. you know, thinking about how much money they're going to make at the end of it. But I, I promise you that if you are able to, um, you know, fulfill the client's expectations or execute mm -hmm. on what's most important to them, you're probably going to get another deal out of it. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. this Reputation. You know? uh -huh. considering though the, um, the, you know, at the time in the recession, you know, I think right before things were amazing for people, right? Yeah. And then shortly after everything went to hell, right. unfortunately. So, I mean, well, go ahead. I was going to say, so you left off on your, you know, your background story. So you were doing loans, right? Right before. Yeah. So what happened once 2008 hit, you know, how did you transition? When did you become a licensed realtor? Yeah. So the, the mortgage industry completely imploded. Right. Um, and at the time, not only did you have banks that were, um, you know, um, giving out money for loans, you had lenders, mm -hmm. you had brokers, essentially anybody that wasn't part of, you know, the Bank of America, the Wells Fargo's, um, you know, Chase, um, right. world, uh, you basically became obsolete. Like, there was no longer business for anybody that didn't work for those banks, you know, right. even those banks were struggling to, to give out, you know, any loans at that time, many wouldn't, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and so 
suddenly I I went from becoming a, a mortgage broker. I went from uh, the subprime world into the broker world of mortgages into nothing, basically. The company that I worked for, when it all imploded, they had, um, you know, a, a part of the, the company was real estate purchases and sales. And then the other side of it was mortgages. And they completely shut down the mortgage side of it because um, it just didn't exist anymore. Right. And so, right. mm -hmm. so that... So I was at, I was at a crossroads. Like, what do I do? Yeah, you know? that's a tough decision. Yeah, and um, fortunately, the owner of the company that I was working for uh, took me under his wing. Uh, his name is Carlos Aguilar, and he uh, he 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 took me aside and he said, you know, listen, you this is what you need to learn, which was short sales at the time. I see. Um, he's 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 somebody who has many years experience in the industry, over thirty years now, probably over fifty years. Um, you know, but but he he saw it coming and so i was very fortunate to have somebody um guide me through what was about to happen um and so he probably lived through something prior right? oh totally so he, so he you know because of his experience he, he had lived through many cycles already yeah. Yeah. you know mm -hmm. but most notably he lived through the short sale era of the 90s and so he, he already knew what it took to, to do a short sale, which is a very tedious and complex, uh, you know, process right. to, to not only get approved by the bank because it, it's an approval process to take a loss, um, but also just get it over the finish line. Um, you know, and not there, there's no, no two short sales are ever the same. I've, I've closed short sales in 90 days and I've, Close short sales in eighteen months. Oh my god! You know, and, and so there, there's no. <laughs> That's not good. Yeah, and yeah. so, so, so for me, the name of the game was volume, right? Because right. you didn't know when it was going to close, right? right? Mm -hmm. it could tomorrow or it could happen next year, mm -hmm. and so, so I, you know, not being at that time yet a licensed full agent, I became the processor within the office for many agents who had short sale listings, and I would process them all because. And you had to call the banks every single day, um, mm. see to to submit what they call the hardship package. Uh, essentially, you're you're trying to prove to the bank that this homeowner can no longer afford their house, and uh, so I need you to allow me to sell this for less than what they owe. So there's mm. like involved. Uh, yeah, and then, you know, and 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 it's on me to prove it. You know, so I had to. Uh, First and foremost, the, the owners had to write like a hardship letter for me. You know, like what are they struggling with? They lost their job or they lost income or somebody died, what, whatever it may be. Um, and then I had to uh, submit supporting documents with that, like bank statements, income statements. Mm -hmm. And then you give that to the bank and then the bank, you know, decides if they want to move forward with the short sale or not. Right, right. You know, and then once you've actually gotten it approved, then the property goes on the market, but now you're competing with a million other properties that are on the market. So to even generate an offer, yeah. you know, which was felt on the agent, not on me, was you know another part of the process. What, what did you see the agent do to generate the offer for their particular listing as opposed to all the other homes on the market? <laughs> it was like that's just out of this world. Yeah, it, it, there wasn't a lot that they could do other than reduce the price, you know, because the market was flooded with inventory right. and, and you know a lot of the homes that were being sold 
were in these like master communities where they all looked alike, you know? So it's like you take, you know, 50 houses that all look alike. Well, which one's priced the least? That's mm -hmm. the one I'm going to buy because yeah. they all look the same. You know what I mean? Yeah. It makes no difference to me. So during this time, I would imagine many agents at the time kind of left the industry. Yes. But would you say the ones that survived more so were the, like the luxury agents because of their advisor type role that you were kind of mentioning earlier that they, you know, really come down to listen yeah. and provide counsel versus selling selling i i think that there was two types of agents that survived i think one was uh the agents like carlos who had already experienced down market mm -hmm. I see. there's a lot of people that came into the business in that cycle prior to two, 2008 that only saw this so mm -hmm. they were ready for this yeah you know so those that just came into the business made a bunch of money they quickly got out they went back to selling cars you know <laughs> and then and then but you have agents like carlos who who had gone through multiple cycles and just knew that this is a part, this is real estate, right. this, this is up and down, you know, this is buying and selling, you know, that, and, and he kept it very simple. Um, you know, he survived, but the other agents that really did really well were the agents that were, um, you know, well connected with, with people, you know, at banks who were holding mm. uh, a lot of the foreclosure. Mm. You know, the whole process to foreclosure was right. a completely different process. You know, you had asset managers that would, um, you know, t take the property back from the homeowner and then, you know, they'll go through the foreclosure process. And now they got to put the property back on the market and sell it. And they have to hire a local agent, you know, to sell this property because they have properties all over the country. Right. You know, and yeah. so uh, a lot of uh, agents had to know the right people to get that business uh, mm. the asset managers the the bank you know executives who were part of the foreclosure process because they really i mean i i didn't work for a bank so i don't know what went into the process of choosing what agent you're going to pick you know but i would imagine a lot had to do with the relationships mm -hmm. yeah, i can mm -hmm. see that being a thing now because uh you know social media is so in our face nowadays that you really do have to, you know, provide content to survive right. as an agent. Right. But from what I'm hearing too, at the same time, you really got to consider the actual authentic face to face relationship and relationships. That's right. So, mm -hmm. um, how should an agent, you know, approach that situation considering there might be something lurking in the future where in fact you might be the next Carlos, yeah. maybe, you know, you might be giving advice to all these agents in the future. Yeah. I think that there's nothing more important, um, you know, for an agent um, than the relationships you make in the in the industry. Okay. And we know a lot of people. But like we, with who though? The relationships with and that that's that is something that each and every person has to figure out for themselves, mm -hmm. right? Because we go to a lot of networking events, right? You know, yeah. some of them are like. Other so it's just tequila. Yeah, it's just just to go have fun and drink. You know? Right. Yeah. You know? And so the, you're going to meet a lot of people in the industry, um, but you really have to uh, be able to single out, uh, you know, who's who and who's important and who do you want a relationship right. with. Uh, you know, fortunately for me, through the different companies that I've I've gone through, which is just a few, um, you know, I've I've 
have seeked out, you know, guidance and assistance, you know, from those that are having success or, or have the experience mm -hmm. that, that I want, you know, somebody that I can come to with questions when, when I don't know the answer. Um, and so those, those are the relationships that are going to be able to get you through markets like the ones that we're living in today. You know, we're, a, lot, a lot of people just like, you know, 2008 have, have uh, left the, the industry, you know, but that's because they they didn't have uh, the guidance or the mentorship, you know, to sort of navigate mm -hmm. what's going on. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people that are just regurgitating what the next person said and the next person said, and, <clears throat> you know, I heard this on Gary Vee and I heard this on Grant Cardone and, you know, they, and they're, they're, they're certainly, um, you know, big personalities, you know, and in, in many ways they speak uh, in in general terms, you know, they're very much big picture. They're huge. They're mm -hmm. huge people on, on social media. But sometimes you need to connect with those that are local and those that, that are actually attainable, you know, reachable. I can yes. call, you know, pick up the phone and call um, someone like a, a Peter Hernandez, who we, we had spoken about, who is the president of Douglas Elliman and is is mm. probably the most resourceful person I, I know now, you know, yes. just a, a plethora of like knowledge and experience and 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 always reminds us you know that he's available to you know to help win and, and i think that kind of goes about finding the right brokerage um because i used to, you know that's how we met i was at Douglas Solomon during the right covid times and i would always do peter hernandez on there on the video calls right yeah. and this guy was um such a great leader because of how calm he was during the craziness of covid when we had no idea what mm -hmm. we were doing and everybody was panicking and he kind of kept us level-headed and to proceed forward right so i think you're right it does really come down to the relationships and building that um the trust with a mentor to some yeah. degree and somebody that's just willing to help because right. listen like it's a doggy dog world you know how do you say right. dog dog yeah. you know when when shit hits the fan and the world is falling apart and business is becoming scarce everybody's fighting for that business and mm -hmm. so a lot of people are not going to be willing to help yeah you know yeah, and, yeah, and, and so and that's okay you know that's 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 uh it, that's the nature of our business sometimes mm -hmm. so how, it's, it's a matter of how do you find the person that's actually willing to help you yeah, you know, yeah. well many times uh, you know you have to work for free okay. you know or you you have to provide something in order to get something back if you're asking for somebody's time if you're asking for somebody's resources well you know what are you giving that you know mm -hmm. for free you know you you also have to be a value right and sometimes when you don't have the experience or the knowledge or the resources but you have the energy you know uh you know you have the tenacity and you have the willingness to do whatever it takes sometimes that's enough so you got to give mm -hmm. a little you start taking right absolutely yeah now in terms so, of like the the uh component of a of consumer someone seeking out a realtor that's actually good at their job yeah what do you recommend they do what type of homework mm -hmm. should they do? or should they go on your instagram and find you out that way or what other roles can they take i think instagram has become the new landing page you know what used mm -hmm. to be the website right you know right. I, instagram is now the landing page i think that it's a, it's a great tool to to broadcast you know who you are what you've done mm -hmm. um but more so branding yeah, mm -hmm. yeah and i think that's speaking on on an agent behalf but i think on, on the consumer side you have to be very careful because there's a lot of fluff out there i think that 
the industry has been sensationalized by like what million dollar list by million dollar listing and Netflix and you know buying Beverly Hills and yeah. it's all very entertaining and it yes they the, the, the you know it, it can be very glamorous uh, but but it, it it's only a, a small piece of what actually goes on sure um you know and so um i think as a consumer i think the best way to find um uh, a reliable agent and somebody that you can trust is is typically just asking for the referral you know from mm -hmm. somebody who's already bought and sold property um you know there's already built-in credibility there and then once you've met the person if if you connect if you vibe then you know you can set up an interview and dig a little bit deeper ask them you know what they've sold how much they've sold where they've sold all those things matter mm -hmm. when you're selling your own property but besides yeah. like relying on what the realtor says or you know sometimes the referral is important yeah. through a, a untrusted source family member or whatever it may be but uh is there anything else you can do as a consumer to find the right realtor where you know they're backing up what they're saying like looking at their reviews yeah looking at their sales maybe on zillow is there yeah. anything like that because i'll share a quick story um i was at a listing appointment the other day and i actually ended up getting in there just like you know nice the reason being was um i never met this person and i was you know presented there i did a good job and at the end he goes you know you're doing you're really good at what you do i know someone has been doing it longer than you um this agent he's like the entrusted agent of this neighborhood yeah um so i'm considering maybe going with him but i will interview him and get back to you so i'm like okay that's fine but before i leave can you do me a favor he's like what's that and i say just check check my my name put my name andrew vargas realtor in google and i will do the same for that person's name and i've never met that person before we both did it at the same time we googled each agent and his phone will show me i had 16 reviews five stars the person that he gave me the name he had like six reviews and three stars yeah so that kind of says it itself you know yeah yeah i think mm -hmm. that it's um i think anybody who is buying or selling you know at any dollar amount really right. especially in southern california you know i think that they're at a level where they know that they need to do their background checks and their due diligence on whoever it is that they're hiring. Mm -hmm. If you're if you're non-existent online, you're you're, you're not going to go. Yeah, it's not. You're not going to get much business, right? You know, I think even if you don't have uh, a handful of reviews, you know, if it, that's all. It's reference checks. You know, it's like interviewing for any other job. There's a there's a section where you put in your references. You know, who mm -hmm. speak on your behalf. You know. And so I think that you have to have, uh, whether it's Google, whether it's Yelp, um, you know, you have to have somewhere online that where your your clients can, you know, leave an honest review. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because like you said, I think before, Miko, right? You as realtors are public personas. You're in right. the public space. You're in the public eye. Right. Right. So yeah. you need that that feedback from your clients, from the consumers, yeah, to to build your credibility. Right. Right. What advice would you have for new realtors now, say that have just recently become licensed or um, are fairly new? Yeah, I think that the most important thing is that you find somebody who um, has the experience, you know, to navigate waters like this. 
um, that is willing to, you know, to take you on and, and coach you through it. No one's going to mm-hmm. do the work for you. Everybody's trying to make money, right? And so no one's right. going to give you any, any deals, but they're going to help you, you know, generate, you know, deals for, for yourself. And so I think that um, finding the right mentors, finding people that are willing to coach you, but most importantly, also being coachable, mm-hmm. you know, I think many times we make, you know, uh, a, a, a big checks, you know, we'll, right. we'll make a good amount of money. And then suddenly uh, we think we know it all when we really. Big ego starts to happen, especially with yeah. social yeah, yeah, like you yeah. can't tell me what to do. Yeah. Like I made twenty-five grand last month, right. right, or last week, you know. And so you gotta be, you gotta be coachable at all times. And I think at every stage of your career, I think me, twenty years in the business, and still listening to whenever Peter Hernandez talks or Dave Worth, who was my business coach, like whenever they talk, like I listen, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think it's incredibly important to be coachable at all times and at all stages of of um, your career you know they they always talk about you know michael jordan had phil jackson you know right. at, at his greatness yeah. you know, at his peak he can't really still, do it alone can't do it yeah. alone he's yeah. still you right. still need people to to guide you you know and 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 encourage you also when right. things are going right i mean things suck right now you know yeah times are are pretty difficult changes right the sales have slowed down but also the seasonality of the holidays right but um that's a quick um that's a good way to transition to the comparisons of today's market yeah versus Mm -hmm. financial crisis because you've actually been through it right i've I've spoken a lot about this on the podcast i've spoken to it with nick but um i want to get it from your perspective because at the same time in 2008 i was in high school so it wasn't really yeah, I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. So, what do you think about the comparisons? Do you think they're equivalent or completely different? Completely different. You know, what happened in 08, the crash was due to um, bad lending. Mm-hmm. You know, you were yeah. giving, you were giving um, toxic loans. You were giving loans that had uh, adjustable rates. Um, you know, you had loans that were you were giving people the option of what to pay. You know, you you had uh, the the option arm loans. You know that in you know certainly at the time when the market's going up and you know you can build equity almost overnight. You can always refinance out of it. But what happens when the market crashes? Then you're upside down yeah. and there's no mm-hmm. equity to finance out of it. Now you're stuck with it because you're underwater. Because you're underwater. You know, and so that being really the major uh, uh, you know reason why. why why the market had crashed in 08 is completely then you know to what's going on today you know fortunately regulation was placed in you know after the crash mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of changes were made in the industry so this wouldn't happen again um and so i think overall i think we're, we're pretty protected you know from from that happening again a lot of people you know who ended up buying after uh, you know, 2008 and mainly 2010, 2012, you know, went straight into a 30 year fixed, you know, mm-hmm. and so they weren't dealing with the sudden adjustment in payment any anymore. Mm-hmm. They, even if the market had gone down, they still had that same payment no matter what. And if they had plans to be in this property for 10, 15, 20 years, right. they're going to be able to write it out without any of this, right? you know, and so I think it's, um, it's completely different than, than uh, what happened then? Do you, um, considering it's going to be different because of the fact that the housing market caused a recession, 
Yeah. What's going on now is a multitude of different things, but do you yeah. still see um, home prices falling sometime next year if yeah. a recession was to come in? Yeah. And if so, by how much? I mean, not like, I know you don't have a crystal ball and you're not going to say, oh, it's going to fall by X amount of percentage. Yeah. But considering in California, when prices fell about 27% throughout all California, yeah. do you think it'll be about half of that? Less than half? I think it'll be less than half. It's interesting you say that the housing market caused the recession where it feels like now the recession is causing the housing market. Housing market. So yeah. that, well, that inflation. Yeah, yeah. Many, many, many different um reasons yeah. um mm -hmm. but i do think that i think a lot of it depends on uh, where the asset or the home is located mm -hmm. i think that when you live in southern california on the golden coast i think there's always going to be a desire to live here regardless mm -hmm. of what your politics may be right you know you you find people that come you know we're considered a blue state but um you know you you get people um you know from Arizona, you know, that was, I don't know if it still is, but was considered like a red state that ended up retiring sure, sure. In, in, in Southern California, yeah. regardless of the mm -hmm. problem, right? you know, so I don't think that really matters. I think um, the, the, the severity of the correction or the drop in value is going to be based on the location. Right. Um, you know, I think that California, specifically Southern California is, is perhaps one of the most protective markets in the entire mm -hmm. nation, you know, uh, no hurricanes, no snow. That's true. You know, we don't mm -hmm. have these, these disastrous, uh, you know, events, tornadoes that can really, um, you know, affect us. And yeah. it's 72 and sunny all day, every day. <laughs> I know? always tell my clients, uh, especially more so the ones that, you know, on the wealthier side, you buy a property by the coast, overseeing the ocean right it's like a blue chip stock meaning yeah. it's more yeah. valuable. it's yeah. not going to really go down as much as other stocks right. or as other homes in different locations so right. you know it really comes down to location yeah and i also like to participate by watching the um, chapman university forecast event yeah. and the mm -hmm. forecaster up there was saying the reason why california prices don't tank like other areas or he doesn't foresee prices falling as dramatically as back then is because of the fact of climate the right climate mm -hmm. is alluding to you were not alluding to you were I just said it uh we don't have all those disasters like other parts of the world or right. other parts of the country right yeah but what about like mudslides and huge forest fires i mean <laughs> right right those, those are pretty big <laughs> natural disasters yeah. fires that is for sure yeah um, yeah coast. okay already the housing in inland california is actually not bad you know imperial uh, county or riverside county you know, is significantly, you know, less than what you're getting in San Diego County, Orange County, LA County. That's true. You know, even LA, you know, the further you go east, it's 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 a lot more affordable than being on the coast. And yeah, so, the valley and so I think on a, on a micro, uh, microscopic, uh, you know, per, per perspective, you know, you can go the entire country and then you can actually break it down by state and then even break it down by county, you know, mm -hmm. because living in San Diego, we know that East County San Diego is a lot more affordable right. than what you're going to get west of the five freeway, yep. you know? And so you can, you can really dial it in, you know, but I think in general, I think for the country, I think that, you know, the West coast is going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And I think too, San Diego in particular is to some degree insulated because I tell a lot of my clients that can afford to like 
not literally by the means monetarily, but in terms of location to maybe reconsider purchasing sometimes if it makes sense in LA or Orange County, just because the population growth in San Diego is higher, it's yeah. higher than the other California. And the innovative hubs of these new aerospace companies and these tech companies are coming here. So right. that's something really important to think about. Um, but just to switch back about housing too, I, I, I do agree to an extent with you too, because mortgage rates hit about seven and a half percent in some crazy cases, 8% four five months ago or so. And now they're at the low 6% yeah. because yeah, CPI is yeah. softening. Yeah. So that kind of makes me more confident for people yeah. too, that prices, you know, they may soften a little bit, but not, yeah. not like crazy. But listen, nobody has a crystal ball and it, it, it's, it's, um, it's scary to always predict, especially when it's recorded, because people can come back <laughs> yeah. and be like, ah, yeah. you said this, yeah. and that. Yeah. But I can say that, you know, over the next two years, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity yeah. um, for buyers. I think, listen, like after 08 and watching the severity of that crash, I, I, I to an extent, I understand why not only did we climb so high but we climbed for so long mm. you know i was taught i got into the business that cycles were five years you know every and it five became years. seven to ten exactly now you know? but I think that we went so long and so high because we fell so low mm -hmm. you know and i think that we needed that much time to catch up to um the uh the desire to mm -hmm. to live you know on the west coast southern california you know san diego but this this was all i think a long time coming and i think that many people who understand cycles or under, understand history understand that what goes up must come down like no right you know, it's it, it, everybody knows that especially in in this in this um type of market in this industry and so i think that it's no surprise i think that um it was eventually going to happen but i think this has been a forced correction rather than a natural correction mm -hmm. you know where the way i understood it was that when the medium price the when the medium price of houses exceeds the median household income mm -hmm. and when it becomes too expensive for them then that's when the correction right. has right. but what yeah. has happened was that um, you know, as prices went up, but the rates came down, it, it allowed them to to continue purchasing at those same levels, mm -hmm. you know, but now, um, you know, when the rates went up, you know, that not only were the prices high, rates were up, affordability was down, right. you know, right. and so I think that this is just a forced correction. I think it was needed. I think it's good. I think it's good for um california in general i think it's good for the market i think mm -hmm. it, it's like a checks and balances thing like it didn't mm -hmm. get it got out of control you know for a while there you got people that were offering 100 grand above yeah. list price no contingencies yeah. no inspection too much absolutely nuts you yeah. know it's, this is a form of like checks and balances you know this is this is a good thing you know and mm -hmm. i think that um i think the people that bought over the last couple of years, I don't think that there's anything to be uh, regretful, you know, or mm -hmm. ashamed about. I think that if you bought and you bought something that you love, even if you pay, paid, you know, a lot for it, if you're locked in for 30 years, you know, good. you're going to be fine. You're going to ride this out. Yep. It'll come back up, you know, and I think that if you feel like you missed the boat, then I think that the next 
two years, there's going to be a lot of opportunity on the table. And, you mm -hmm. know, my advice is just be ready, be ready for that, you know, that one that you want, you know, wait for it to come along because it will, you know, you just have to be ready. Yeah, I agree. Oh, I agree. Yeah, Jared and I have actually, so my other buddy, Jared, that we had on the podcast, who's a, a realtor, but in uh, Florida, we, yeah. we've been looking for an investment property together, right? And we were under contract with one and now we actually just found another uh, the okay. other day. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, like you say, you just got to keep, you got to keep yeah. on it and you'll, yeah. you'll find, you'll, you'll find a deal as long as the numbers work out. Yeah. 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 So you got to be ready, have your financing, right. you know, ready to go, you know, have the money in the bank. And when that opportunity, you know, comes around, just be ready to pull the trigger because right. you know, good deals don't last. You know, exactly. you know, that's just the nature of the beast. You have a small window and you have yeah. to, mm -hmm. that's why it never really predicts. You never know if you're actually going to get through that window or right. not. So, right, yeah. right, right. And yeah. so, to, yeah, you're ready. Right. So speaking of windows, Miguel, so on here, we have everybody come on and talk and actually explain what they think their full count moment was mm -hmm. or is right or it could be a couple of full count moments but That's what true. a full count moment is yeah, yeah. is is a time when you're kind of at that pivot point the pressure was yeah. on you and you thought it was either going to make or break you know your career your business um mm -hmm. your lifestyle whatever it might be right so mm -hmm. what, what would you say yours was or you know the the most influential time was you know uh i think you have to you have to go back to that 08 moment. You know, I think that again, being married, having a new baby, yeah, literally so my boy was born in 2006, you know, being two years old, um, you know, the uncertainty in the market. I think that, I don't know if it gets any more pressure than that, That's you know, and, and I'm, you know, 24, 25 years old, you yeah. know, I'm just a baby myself through the bus like that yeah you know it was uh it was a lot to handle um you know not only on the on a professional end but mm -hmm. also on a personal, personal. end you know mm -hmm. so much was at risk and and i remember having like an honest conversation with myself of you know do i want to continue doing this you know is this is this a job or is this my career you know right uh, was a question i asked myself a lot and i thought i thought i could be great at what what I was doing, you know, I knew that I was good. I made some money, but I also knew that I had, um, you know, the right coaches and the right mentors to, you know, to guide me to anything. Yeah, you know, and and I felt that that you know I could achieve even more. And I think that the moment where I I decided to go forward was when Carlos had told me, "Imagine the good times. Like this is the worst of times. Imagine mm -hmm. the good times if you can get through this." And and I stuck it out, and which was so such a risk because <laughs> you know at the time my wife wanted me out of the business my yeah. mom was like maybe you should do something else maybe this is not for you that's you some know, pressure right i there, went man. completely yeah. against the brain and i went against the advice of those that love me the most you know but i knew that there was no other you know, I didn't end up going to law school. I didn't go into politics, you know, and I didn't want to start over. And I knew that this, there was unlimited potential in this. And I knew that I had, um, you know, the right uh, foundation, you know, to, to have success in this. 
And so I rolled the dice and it was hard, man. Like it was hard. Like just because I said like, okay, I'm going to do this doesn't mean like things work out. suddenly got better. Like yeah. things were yeah. shitty, you know, for like the next, you know, five years, you know, but, but I, I stuck it out and, and it was such a, a lesson about trusting your own instincts you know, even when your mom and your wife are telling you, yeah, maybe you should go do something else, you know, but and when but, you have a kid at the same time. And when you have a kid, yeah, it's hard. You, but, you know, when your, your, your parental instincts, you know, kick in and you find a way. And it, it wasn't always like, uh, you know, um, real estate was the only thing that I did. You know, I had part-time jobs like here and there, but I never told anybody that I had really? anything else because... Uh, I felt like it would take away credibility from me being looked at as a serious real estate agent, you know, if mm -hmm. I was, in, but I had to feed my kids and sense. pay the rent. Yeah, that's and so, so I had to do, you know, these oddball jobs on the side just to make money. But, but I did. And then once I got into a position of, you know, more stability then you know, then I just, you know, fully went into it. But I mean, that was that was hell. Yeah. So yeah. Look, looking back, looking back on it, what would you say are like the one or two things that you've learned from it and advice you would give other people that are real estate agents now? I think um you know, you uh, I love the quote that says closed mouths don't get fed. You mm -hmm. know, and and for me, um when things were not going well i asked for help you know i i seek that advice Make sure you go aside and 100 you know um and so i and i tell it to my son every day you know not every day but when he needs to be told that right. you got to speak up right you got to speak up for the things that you want you got to speak up when you need help as well because mm -hmm. there, there are people that are willing to help you know and so um you know, even now, I don't know something, you know, that I, I go to the resource that I need to go to and, and I ask for help. Good. You know? No, that, that that makes total sense. Yeah. I think more people need to take that into account. Yeah, I think there's yeah. a lot of um, hesitation and, and, you know, a lot of people are embarrassed, but they shouldn't be. Right. Who cares? Right. Who cares? Yeah. You know, like we're talking about your career, your livelihood, your life. Mm -hmm. you know? And so, and we, we've all asked for help. Right. No one's right. done it. Back the details of what that person is and how they got there they got help. right Absolutely. from someone they yeah. all to i love yeah. it i think i think that's probably a good takeaway yeah yeah and you know what? if you're lucky enough you find somebody that's willing to give you maybe you know sometimes more than you even anticipated mm -hmm. you know i feel like i've had that you know one with my godfather, two with Carlos Aguilar, three with this other gentleman named Jamie Pullman, who I started working with when I wanted to move into the downtown market, and he completely educated me nice. at a different, in, in a different level, mm -hmm. um, and 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 helped me look at my business in a different way, um, you know. And now moving into Douglas Elliman, where they they've helped me. Uh, look at myself as a business, not as an individual and agent. And now I'm being helped with, you know, structure and processes and procedures right. and scaling, you know, and growing, um, you know, but, but I asked for it, you know, right. many, many people end up, uh, 
you know, quitting. Um, but all they needed to do was ask for help. Yeah. They just needed to put their ego aside. Yeah. Hum humble and, you know, ask and seek help. I mean, I, I say this all the time. It's all about who you know. You know, Absolutely. I mean, and that's with anything. Yeah. And always be willing to give back. You know, I right. think exactly the biggest lesson for me is understanding uh, the karma that's built into all of this. And mm -hmm. so, and I think I mentioned this to you that I've, I've my style or like, you know, my way of marketing or broadcasting, my knowledge and my experience is really more one-on-one. -on -one. I'm not, I'm not a big social media, like, let me sit down and have a webinar with you. That's not me. Mm -hmm. I'm more of a relationship person, right. which really is, you know, is evident of all the things that I've done, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and so, but I'm willing to give, you know, and I'm, when, when you asked me to come here and, and share this, like sure. I do it when the young agent in the office is asking me like, well, how do you do this? I share, yeah. you know, I right. give because they gave me one time, right. you know, right. and what, what, what bigger tribute can I give, you know, those that have given me than giving to the next person? Because in reality, I'm not giving that person, you know, uh, I'm giving them some things that I've learned, but really I'm just passing on the knowledge that others gave to right. me. I didn't even make it. Helping the community in itself. Totally. Right? That says a lot about you though, because yeah. it can be really cutthroat and some people don't want to help. So yeah, I, I definitely acknowledge that. And that's why I wanted to have you on here today. Mm -hmm. um, with that, go ahead. I was going to say just one last comment on that is your success is directly equivalent to the number of people that you help. Yeah. You know, in, in any business, in any walk of life. Right. And Miguel, I could tell you're you're a very humble guy. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you know. That's so. cool. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, where can people find you? You know, Instagram, Miguel T Diaz. That's that's probably the best place that you can find me. Um, you know, you can just Google my name, Douglas Solomon, you'll be able to reach me by I would say Instagram's probably the best way. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah. Thanks hey, for coming on. Yeah, yeah, good meeting you as well. Thank you.